0: everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on the athletic director for Long Island University, Dr. Bill Martinov, and they certainly shocked a lot of people in the college hockey world over the past month or so in announcing that they were coming up with a Division I program, so it was good to get him on and have him answer some questions that I know a lot of people are looking to get answered, uh, but before we do get over to Bill, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff. LaVacchio Vax what's going on today my man
1: not much bro pretty excited because uh checking my numbers right now but this morning I had 498 athletes and non-athletes using my train heroic program so that was pretty exciting to wake up and see that uh so that's a good day yeah i'm at 498 right now so i get two more i'm at 500 so that's pretty exciting for me
0: let's go let's go nice work yeah
1: you know just crushing just crushing the covid trying to help people but uh yeah i was excited for this this podcast we have here today because, um, you know, I'm not as plugged in, obviously not even close, like 1% plugged into the college hockey world. You're, you're, you know, steeped in it much more than I am. I heard nothing about this school coming on the scene. So this was like when I came in, came in the gym one day and, uh, somebody told me and I was like, what? wait, what, 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 what school? So pretty interesting stuff here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I've been obviously, tied into that world and still am very much tied into that world and uh you know the fact that this came out of nowhere to so many people you're talking about coaches you're talking about conferences you're talking about so many different things where it just came out of nowhere and uh you know so it was good to, to get, uh, Dr. Martinov on the podcast here to, um, to talk about it. And I don't know how many answers we got on the podcast, uh, about where they want to go. He certainly has a plan. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a vision of where he sees it going, but there's still, still, you know, a lot of questions left to be answered, like who the coach is going to be, any type of conference, what they're going to do with scholarships. And, and we addressed all those things on the podcast, um but it was good to kind of get him on just to so he can explain where he sees the program going and and how it came about from the beginning and it sounds like for him uh it's been a process that has started a long time ago um and obviously just recently came to fruition but um it was interesting
1: yeah, it, 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 I mean, first of all, awesome guy and tons of experience. I mean, it was cool to hear about his time at, at the different schools he's been to and big programs. And he obviously clearly knows what he's doing, but uh, keeping it kind of shrouded in mystery. So, you know, a little, a little bit of a mystery theater on this uh, this episode of the podcast. But like I said, he he said, you know, we're we're just we know but we're not letting everything out yet so uh kind of cool and we're all bored right now so when they release it it'll be more stuff for us to talk about so that'll be fun whenever they talk of, you know release who's the coach and where's it going to be and kind of all those particulars
0: yeah yeah and we talked about it on the podcast how when they first announced it was excitement You know, everybody was pretty, pretty pumped about it. And for me coming as a, as a former college coach, um, and this is something that I said on the podcast and somebody told me this once is there's way more people that are great people than there are positions and jobs in hockey, you know? So it's, it's a tough business to crack. It's a tough business to get into. Um, so anytime there's more opportunity for people to be able to get these kinds of jobs and for players to be able, you know, it's 25 to 30 more players that are going to be able to play division one hockey too. Um, I I think that's a great thing and it's going to be a a Herculean task. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what their expectations are going to be in year one. I think it's just kind of a feeling out process and I'm sure there's still a lot more to be learned. Um, but it was just, uh, it's just a, it's an interesting kind of situation that they're in. Um, but he seems to have a lot of confin- confidence in it and, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all shapes out because Long Island is a great hockey spot a lot of kids coming from Long Island obviously the Islanders are there right near New York City uh, there's a lot of kids coming from that area now um, whether it's not necessarily in the city but in the surrounding parts Connecticut, Long Island, New Jersey um, so yeah not a whole heck of a lot of answers but it was a good conversation nonetheless
1: yeah and it's it's like you said there's so many good people in hockey and not enough jobs and that isn't just coaches that's players and juniors too like I think about even back to when you and I were playing how many players were very good players and they just you know they their time ran out in juniors and they weren't able to get that d1 offer whether it was a scholarship or so the more schools we have i think it's going to help more players get there and there's so there's so much development in hockey today the player there's so many that little line in between a guy who goes d1 and the guy who goes d3 it's so close so i think this will help a lot of players and and i mean who wouldn't want to live in long island Uh, that's pretty badass
0: it's it's long island oh bro. no that would be like jamaica i went jamaican with that
1: where did that come from i think you
0: were trying to go kind of like jersey shore yeah, yeah and then i, I turned into slap of that base <laughs> slap the base it went went to that but yeah i think uh yeah that'll be really fun uh that's funny well let me ask you this man so I'll, I'll put you on the spot here if you were to start a program from scratch you know and you played division one hockey what would be let's give it two. what would two things that you would feel like you would need to do
1: as like in his position as like a, the guy making the, the let's, big let's decisions. Do, no,
0: let's do the coach. You're a coach. You're a coach starting a division one program from scratch. What What would be important to you to do? Uh,
1: first I guess first would be hiring assistant coaches obviously um you need good people around you you always talk about that and then from there I would talk to every coach in the USHL the BC and the NA and just be like what guys were talking to tons of D1 schools or a couple and kind of didn't get it because of whatever reason and they were going to really high-end D3 schools let me hear about those guys uh, who are your captains who are the total character guys um that that you know, timed out and are going to D three instead of D one. Those would be my first two things I think I would, I would do, uh, and, and from a management's perspective, like, like, uh, like Bill here. I mean, I would look to try and make the locker room as sweet as I could, because you know, when you want to visit, like you want to be somewhere that you want to be in. You want to be, if you're playing, like that's not the main thing, but like when you go into a sick locker room versus a crappy locker room, like, you know, and you're like, I want to be here every day. And then that's going to get a better result. So I think that that would be important from his perspective.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It's, uh, yeah. As, and and we even talked about a little bit, the head coach of a division one program is more of like a a CEO, right? Than a coach. Uh And you have a lot of different responsibilities, not just being, being a coach. And, and I agree with you. Like, the most important thing that a head coach can do is to hire great assistant coaches. Um, you have to you have to have great assistant coaches to be able to succeed in, in college athletics, let alone. Let alone college hockey, I mean they're in charge of a lot of the recruiting they're in charge of a lot of the teaching they're in charge of a lot of the day to day logistic type stuff, um, whereas the head coach has a little bit more responsibility, maybe on the alumni affairs side, maybe on the you know the fundraising side things it It depends on the university obviously as well but i, I it's weird like I look at this I look at this situation right here, and uh almost a, like how we talked about with Greg Powers, you almost have to take an us against the world mentality when it comes to making this thing work. Because there there was a lot of backlash after the initial excitement to what's going on because there still are a lot of questions that need to be answered in terms of how this thing is gonna operate and how this thing is going to run. And so like that that culture that needs to be created within that kind of realm, I guess. And and what was Greg Powers, it was no excuses ever. Just you know, that was his motto and it was you know that's the the persona that they took you know as as their program and and I see this in a similar situation like if you're if you're in on this team like it has to be that no excuses ever us against the world we're going to prove people wrong kind of mentality which could be kind of fun it's kind of how we you know you and I both have kind of had that chip on our shoulder as to you know a lot of I feel like a lot of college hockey coaches are that way you know that they have that chip on their shoulder like they're going to earn everything that they get and uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all rolls out
1: yeah i mean i i love being an underdog you know in my european career i had to start as an underdog because i listened to bad advice and I started in a league that I shouldn't have started in well below where I should have went to. Um, but I panicked and, and, you know, did that. And then i looked at myself as an underdog battling uphill to get into the Austrian league a couple of years later and to get into Japan because it was a, you know, a bigger money league for, for a guy like me. Um, I like being an underdog. So, yeah, creating that culture of like whoever we take, like you're all in, and we're going to build something around you. Just like Coach Powers talked about it, ASU, like literally the same thing. And look where they're at. I mean, motivation and and your why is a powerful thing. And if you want to be the guy who builds those those pillars, those foundations of a school, you'll be a legend forever. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. The Sandlot, best best <laughs> I was quote ever.
0: Say, I found a way to work baby, the Sandlot into it.
1: Baby Ruth, um, but. But, uh, you know, it's something they got some stuff to figure out here before they could start getting on that recruiting trail, which, you know, the sooner the better, because I don't know how it works. I know some of my guys who committed to D3 schools, They when they committed to them, they kind of said like, hey, uh, I want to have the option if a D1 school winds up needing to pick me up because a guy leaves early because he signs in the show or whatever. So, I mean, I know I at least have a couple of guys who I think could make that jump to D1. So if they start getting on recruiting and anybody's listening to this, that's working. well. <laughs> <Cool. laughs>
0: always the up, salesman was, <laughs> always the salesman i love it
1: i wouldn't sell my guys if i didn't believe they could play but i got at least a couple guys in the stable that uh, are going to high end d3 programs and and they could uh they could use a spot so hit
0: me up that's why you're the best my man you care about your guys a lot so um well yeah this was this was certainly an interesting conversation to say the least uh good to get a little bit of the background on it and uh, before we do get over to this conversation though a couple things we would like to we would like to do want to thank our title sponsor and gel sticks and uh with that actually john lounsbury who's one of the the primary owners of gel sticks is putting on a a 30 for 30 for 30 challenge uh to benefit the penalty box foundation and, and families in need after this covid crisis and so check that out um he's putting together uh, this thing where he's getting a bunch of high-level coaches, a bunch of NHL players and things like that to make little at-home videos and, and all of the proceeds that they're going to raise from this is going to go to families affected by COVID. So um, that's why we, you know, we, we didn't jump into doing sponsorships lightly. It took us, what, like 90 episodes or something like that to do it, just because that we wanted to provide information. It wasn't a money-making thing for us, but we wanted to, when we started and decided to do this, align with people who had the same values as us and uh, Lounsey and what he's doing. And we had him on the podcast episode, I don't even know, somewhere along the road. <laughs> uh, he was,
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a great episode, a great thing that he's doing to raise some money. So um, follow John Lounsbury or Jeff and I will put some information on social media about it once everything is put together. I actually did my video last night. It was a stick handling video, and it was an absolute travesty how bad my hands are right now. <laughs> so I was fumbling the ball all over the place. Jeff, you saw it and uh, probably reminded uh, reminded you a little bit of somebody else that's from the St. Louis area that might be on this podcast as well as you were watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Your hands kind of looked like my feet there. Uh, I, I would redo it if I was you. He's- Got some big name NHL superstars doing this thing. So for everybody who's who's looking into this, I retweeted something from from Lounsey yesterday. But all of the money is going, 100% of the money. He's taking no money from this. 100% of the money goes to families who are going to have a hard time paying for hockey next year. That's why Topher and I wanted to be a part of it. We're, We're honored to be a part of it and do our part to help any families who are who are having a tough time and you know might not be able to afford skates or tuition or whatever next year. So please check that out it's only 30 dollars. you're gonna get 30 videos from some high quality hockey people like i said some nhl superstars a bender like myself and a, a xd1 coach like toper but hopefully he did, redoes his video because i don't know those hands were not what i remember them to be
0: <laughs> it's a tough drill man it's a tough drill get, no, get it the is. thing it's for charity and you'll see how tough the drill is we'll leave it at that <laughs> crying out loud Um, but no it was funny because my wife was taping it and was taping it and uh, I was like I feel like I should probably redo this and then I was like "Ah, nah it's fine (laughs) it's supposed to be hard
1: well, you know what that, that that's true uh, there's a couple of videos on my training app where you know I had a hard time doing them because they're hard drills, and yeah. I've literally had at least ten, twenty people message me like I'm glad that that you showed some of those drills are hard, so I don't feel stupid there you and I'm go. like, yeah, like wh- why would I why would I do every take perfect? Like I usually do the first take because if I mess up, like I want you to know this is a hard drill. it's okay at it because the more you do it, the better you get at it. And that's real. It's not that Instagram fake crap.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, that's what I was going for. I did it on purpose. Exactly. I, I there you up. go. You know, I couldn't stick handle balls on purpose. Yep. <laughs> So anyways, but yeah, so John Lonsbury, uh, again, he's been on the podcast, owner of Gelsticks, who is our title sponsor for this podcast. Awesome, awesome thing. That's why we wanted to partner with, with companies and people like him. So go to GelSticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Uh, and if you use the coupon code Think Tank, one word, you will get a discount on anything that you are looking to buy from them, whether it's a stick, whether it's a lacrosse stick, whether it's a, a golf club, they got a bunch of different stuff. So uh, head over to GelSticks.com. I want to thank train heroic uh which is the app that jeff uses and now only needs two more people to reach 500 people which by the time this comes out (laughs) you probably will already have it but let's keep it at he's at 498 and so let's get more people to sign up for it so um but yeah it's an awesome app jeff did an awesome job in in getting that going so uh check out train heroic and and jeff's app uh and then As always, we want to thank you, the listeners, for sticking in here with us. Uh, And again, we said this the last episode, uh, this is a time where podcast numbers are going down because there's not as many people in the cars, there's not as many people driving to practice or work or whatever, and, and ours continue. I think our last three or four weeks have been astronomically higher. Than what they typically are. And so I just think that's, that's really, really cool. We really, really appreciate everybody's support for our podcast. Uh, if you can, again, feedback is something, whether it's good, bad and different, whatever it may be, feedback is so good for us. We're trying to get better at this. I know we're a hundred or whatever episodes in, but, uh, we want to get better. We want to provide an awesome experience for you guys when you tune in every week to our podcast. So, uh, by leaving us ratings and reviews by shooting us messages on, on instant messages, not instant messenger that was like 19 years ago (laughs) shooting us messages on instagram or twitter (laughs) i can't believe i just said that that's pretty funny um you know we appreciate all of your guys's feedback so jeff before we head over to this conversation you got anything else to add
1: no it, i had something but instant messenger just crushed me it made me think of uh asl what we'd all ask you know you talk to somebody a different state Hey, asl wh- where are you from what's going on tell me what you're doing i don't do you, even know do what that, know that run- is no age sex age sex location It's like the first question you ask people when you go in the the instant messenger chat room. Anyone listening to this who's between 30 and 40 years old, they're going to remember talking to people. Hey, what's your ASL? Just to like, oh, my God, people are laughing right now in their car. I know it.
0: I am laughing. I honestly have never heard of that in my life. you're
1: you're, you're a nerd
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that's it all right well without further ado uh we are very very happy to have this conversation and bring to you dr bill martinov the athletic director for long island university we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast the athletic director for Long Island University, Bill Martinov, Dr. Martinov. How are we doing today?
2: Oh, we're doing great, thank you. I think uh, you know we uh, have a beautiful day out there, and uh, you know, of course, the sunshine brings a lot of energy to you. So we're we're excited for today, and uh, I know we have a lot of things to talk about uh, about Long Island University hockey and just what we're doing in athletics. So. I appreciate both you and Jeff's time today to be able to talk about Long Island University.
0: Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate your time as well. And, uh, you know, to start our podcast off, Bill, a lot of times what we like to do just to kind of introduce our guests to our listeners is just go a little bit back and you got a really cool background in terms of you know you were a football player uh you've gotten like seventy three thousand degrees from a bunch of different universities <laughs> uh you were also a strength coach so that's what jeff does jeff is a, a strength coach as well um but one of the things in, in looking into your past and your background that i thought was really interesting was your dissertation that you did for your uh, your doctorate mm-hmm. and your dissertation was on leadership behavior of college football coaches and mm-hmm. i thought that was really interesting because because I got my master's in sports studies from Miami of Ohio and my dissertation was on the key and common elements of successful college and professional coaches. <laughs> so pretty wow. similar. So I wanted the first question I wanted to ask you as a coach um, and someone who has coached at the college level, what were some of the things that you found in terms of uh, successful coaches that, that you've seen in, in your work?
2: Well, I'll tell you, first of all, my question to you should have been, did you cite my dissertation in your own work? Because that would have been <laughs> helpful to me, not that I get the email, you, but that would have been nice. Um, and two is, uh, I, I think what happens is, um, well, let me start off with this. I, I firmly believe that life is a people business and everything that we do is about people. You know, we our successes, failures, and things that we do, you know, it, it includes and involves people. We have to recognize that it's not about I or me. And um, so in, in, when you're in athletics, I think you you start to look at head coaches and you start to look at le- the concept of leadership. And so when I had to write a dissertation, I, I at first I was stuck. And then I was like, I looked around and I had, had the great fortune of being around a lot of great coaches uh, at the University of Notre Dame and at St. John's at the time. And I just I realized that coaches were successful, but they were different in their personalities and, and their expectations in terms of how they relayed those expectations. You know, early in my career, uh, the, the my way or the highway, uh, approach still worked. you know, and you could, you know, kind of lay it out. And if, say, if you don't want to do it, fine, you know, we'll move on to the next person. And, and as you go on in time, you realize that people, uh, act and react differently. And so leadership, uh, has always taken on different forms. And so to answer your question, uh, without getting into my dissertation in the couple hundred pages is that um, you might lose a few listeners. But, um, (laughs) but I think at the end of the day, my original thought was, is that when you went from division one to division two to division three, there might be a slightly different expectation of leadership because at the division one level, head coaches, major programs, you know, their, their demands are much different in terms of helping with fundraising and, Um, they're the media that they're doing every day, you know, and and not at all levels of division one, but you get the idea that there's this perceived extreme, you know, and I wrote this, uh, whatever, 17 years ago. Um, but the perception was that the head coaches have a little bit more on their plate, um, in terms of those things versus a division three coach who may still be fundraising, but they're, you know, they're not spending half their time flying around the country, asking a donor for a bunch of money, or they're not doing, in all due respect, they're not doing all the media that you would do at a division one program, at least at the time. So I thought there'd be a little different expectation of the head coach by the assistants thinking, okay, well, our head coach at division one is more like a CEO. And if we don't see him other than on the practice field, that's kind of understood where division three, you know, you're and playing division three, I saw this is that there's a little bit of a closer bond and you know there's just more time spent together because everybody's doing a little bit more than maybe at a division one at the yeah, end that, of the day does that make sense i mean at least that's what i perceived back then when i wrote it um my hypothesis uh that was a hypothesis and my study proved that actually no matter what level of of college football the expectations are the same they expect what what i use is two coexisting dimensions of initiating structure which is that's the organization what's our game plan what are our goals as as well as consideration is the other dimension and that's the empathy that that's the people business that's the relationship building how you know that's knowing about people's families and asking about birthdays and because that has an element of leadership that you know it's it's kind of like lead with your head and your heart right so you've got structure and you've got compassion for people and the reality was the study showed that didn't matter what level everybody every coach felt or the average of the coaches felt that they expected both. They expected a lot lot of organization and a lot of compassion. And I think that says a lot for coaches in an industry where, you know, they uh, they're on the same. And I guess this would be true if I did other sports, but it shows the, the profession and how they help each other and the consistency of it in terms of how they teach each other the game. And that doesn't matter what level you're at. These things are important to be a successful head coach
0: absolutely is there you know you got the chance to to play and to coach and and to be a strength coach at some some pretty cool programs you know you talk about Notre Dame football you talk about St. John's Mm -hmm. basketball had him going when you were there and won Mm -hmm. some championships are there some coaches that that you just you know you were around and saw and just kind of like in awe of the way that they were able to handle that CEO mentality of being able to provide that structure but also be a motivator and a good people person as well
2: yeah, I think, you know, I mean, there's, I, I could list off hundreds and, you know, that's what really got me to this leadership thing is all the, those relationships, whether it was Coach Holtz at Notre Dame, who, you know, at the time uh, he, he was very much demanding and he could do that. It's my way. And, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. You know, um, I think, and, and he won a national championship. I think uh, Mike Jarvis, who's the basketball coach at St. John's when we won the Big East first time in 14 years, and unfortunately hasn't won one since, but Coach Jarvis had a different approach, and he was very much—I guess you could use the term—team play, uh, team uh, players coach. You know, he, 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 you know, had that those conversations and tried to work with kids a little bit different than than Coach Holtz, but they were both successful. So that's really got me to, you know, to think about this leadership thing. Two different styles, but they were both successful. And you know, I could talk about Paul Maneri and uh, Pat Murphy as baseball coaches at Notre Dame—great guys. Eddie Blankmeyer at, at St. John's, who's now with the Mets. You know, um, I could go on. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. But, you know, working with Digger Phelps and John McLeod, two different basketball coaches, two different styles, you know. So I think what it comes down to is leadership is it's not a one – there's not one way to do it. You've got to be uh, true to your heart. And uh, I think that authenticity helps in leadership. And as long as you're consistent, people will follow you. And uh, that's what I took. Tu- that's what I took away with it. Is that looking at all those coaching relationships that I'd had over the years, those were, those were the constant things you could, you could just see from one coach to the next.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In, in my dissertation, the first thing I write about is authenticity and got the chance to study and read books for a lot of really good coaches, Lou Holtz actually being one of them. And uh, it's interesting because part of what I do for my business, I go around the country and do team building uh, with a bunch of different mm-hmm. teams. And that's the one thing you can walk into one place that's one championships and it's one culture with one head coach with a personality. And then you can the next day go to a different place with a different coach and a different culture that's completely different but they win championships too. And so it's just uh you know that authenticity is is so so important and Vex I know you've had a couple really interesting authentic coaches in your days there one that really sticks out on your end.
1: Yeah, yeah obviously you know Hastings I mean you know I played for a and this was a long time ago more of a militaristic uh me versus the players type of thing I'm going to get the players to all hate me on purpose and have them bond in that way. And then I've also played for coaches for the buddy who we were just as good. And we, we went just as far on that team in that league professionally with Kevin Hartle, And he was way more like a guy in the room, you know? And, and so I played on both ends of the spectrum and both teams were super successful. So it's like, as long as the coach is authentic and you believe that in him and his structure and all those things, that's what matters the most as a player.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, we'll dive in and have a few more questions from, from the coaching aspect a little bit, but you know, one of the things I wanted to do, Bill, is just to, to give our listeners a little bit of a sense of, of Long mm-hmm. Island university. Um, again, you guys took, took a lot of us by surprise for sure with your announcement of, of having a division one program. And there's not a lot of people in the hockey world that, that are familiar with the university as a whole, let alone the, the athletic department. So if you could, um, you know, describe to us a little bit like, who Long Island University is, maybe some of the majors that are, are important to you guys, and uh, um, just give a little bit of a background on on, on LAU.
2: Sure, sure, would be happy to, because it's a very interesting history. So first of all, Long Island University is a private institution, and uh, it started in the late 20s in Brooklyn, and was, was always kind of thought of as LIU Brooklyn. And as time went on, uh, in the late 40s, there was this thought of this Uh, estate out east on Long Island owned by C.W. Post, as in the serial entrepreneur, and uh, in the late 40s, the the university bought the property uh, with the idea that it was going to help the um, soldiers coming back from the wars that would be interested in getting an education, college education. The idea was to to go out there and and, and serve the community by opening up another campus. Well, that campus became known as C.W. Post and um over the years uh, both campuses had athletic departments LAU Brooklyn had the blackbirds and kind of the blue and black colors and then uh, the post campus uh, when they started athletics was green and gold and thought of as the pioneers and so the instant as well as other campuses in the in the region so as a private institution we had multiple campuses uh, all the way from Riverhead all the way up through Westchester and that would include our post campus in Brooklyn and so on so as operating for years like that, um, the, the academic uh, component of it is, uh, Brooklyn has, as, uh, as post has always had your, your, I guess you could say your standard programs in business and education and, and, um, sciences and things like that. Brooklyn tends to have uh, great, um, connections with the area that they're, or I guess they've had and, uh, always had in the area in terms of health sciences, nursing, pharmacy, Uh, the pharmacy school had started there in Brooklyn. And actually my understanding is correct. It was actually the first uh, of Long Island university was the pharmacy school in Brooklyn. Um, And so then, and then post uh, having similar programs, you'll see nursing at both campuses, health science programs Uh, at post campus. You'll see our new uh, veterinary school. Um, You'll see, um, a couple other things like, uh, well, we have arts and sciences at both programs, but you'll see it. We have the Tillis Center out east at Post, which is a uh, unbelievable venue for performing. And so, um, so as an institution, you know, we, we are a national teaching and research institution. And so we're trying to provide a great education for our students and at the same time contributing to higher education through the research that we do. And so it, it's, it's, I tell you, it's a university on the rise uh, it's always been a great and exceptional university. Uh, if you look at some of our alums that are out there, uh, and, and what they do, um, you know, I think, uh, it's fascinating to see that, you know, that you have, uh, people like Al Khan, who, uh, is an alum of LIU. And he was a gentleman who brought Pokemon over to the United States. You know, think of that, you know, it's Long Island university alum. Uh, Al is a fantastic guy. He's, uh, uh, very su- great supporter of the university and athletics, and he's an example. Uh, you look at Brian Kilmead, who's who's you see him on TV. Um, you know, we have alums that are on Broadway. I, I think it's just fascinating. I think the thing is, is that more people look into what LIU's done to to provide a great education and and essentially, you know, develop these fantastic alums out there. And and that doesn't even include you know all the thousands of alums that are currently supporting this covid you know in the health sciences and health services areas and nursing and hospitals and so i think if you look at any corner of of the community you're going to find an liu alum who's either the teacher the nurse or the fireman you know i i think that's what's fantastic about it and it's got a great it's got a great history and connection to this community it's what we've done is been able to um Uh, get us to a point where people think and see of us as one university now as long Island university, where I think in the past, it was a challenge to know. And I, will admit it before I started, there was, uh, you could look on the ticker tape on ESPN in March and you'd see LIU, Brooklyn men's basketball, NCAA tournament. And a little bit later you'd see LIU post men's lacrosse, you know? And so there was this confusion of where all these sport teams who you know? Who were they? Who were they playing for? Was it two or three different universities? And then at the same time, we were always one. And so uh, I could wrap this up by saying, you know, in, in October of 2018, we talked about uh, we announced the unification of these two athletic departments, LAU Brooklyn and the LAU Post Campus departments. In the fall of 2019, we became one Division One athletic department. And we've we've had our blue and gold colors representing both campuses. We did have a, um, we went with the shark mascot that was highly uh, favorable to our alums and our students. And so since fall of 2019, we, we're now one athletic department, uh, blue and gold sharks and and that probably brings you to kind of where we are right up to about those hockey questions.
0: <laughs> well, you guys are certainly making some moves, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we're obviously a hockey podcast and, and uh, I've had many uh, college hockey people come through here um, from players to coaches and, and everything in between. And uh, yeah, we just love to get a better sense of, of who you guys are looking to be as, as a program. Um, and, and for me, what I'd love to start with is, you know, how did this all come about? Uh, because like I said earlier, you guys surprised a lot of people and, um, talking to Casey before, uh, before the podcast, I was kind of saying that the college hockey world is a little bit like, uh, like a high school lunchroom where it's, it's pretty gossipy and it's, uh, it's pretty tough to keep anything a secret. And you guys were able to do that. So how, how did this idea come about? When did it come about? And, uh, and how were you guys able to kind of keep it under wraps for so long?
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's, uh yeah. Anybody feels like they don't get the lead story. They, they feel left out, but you know, I think <laughs> in the big picture is that, you know, we have fantastic leadership from our president, Dr. Kimberly Klein, and, uh, I've worked with her at, at two other institutions. So this is the third opportunity and, you know, I've learned a great deal from her. And the one thing is that, uh, not only is she a great leader for the institution as a whole, but she's a fan and support, uh, supporter of athletics. And, um, so in this case, uh, since she arrived, I believe in 2013, before I arrived at LAU, um, they, 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 and the athletic staff put together a master plan that would allow athletics to, to grow. Um, and then, um, you know, grow in a sense of what sports that was thought of as, as being uh, great opportunities to add. I mean, you know, uh, when you grow with the number of sports that they're usually the hot ticket sports, like we added gymnastics we announced that in march i mean the gymnastics world was just you know they were so excited and and uh, we hired a great coach and and uh, randy lane who was a national champion as a player as a gymnast and as a coach and so gymnastics was part of our the master plan that was created we added women's hockey a year and a half ago you know that was part of the master plan so to me, I kind of find it interesting that people were shocked when we had a women's hockey program already. To me, that would have been, you know, maybe the next, you know, logical way to go. So, so the men's hockey, uh, like we just added, uh, men's swimming, you know, we've had women swimming and diving. We added men's swimming, swimming and diving. So these are things, when you look at the whole picture, they're not really too out of the box or shocking other than that, that we had a plan and we're carrying out that plan. We're trying to move forward. Now what's, what's, unique in this situation is that if you notice, we announced women's gymnastics uh, before COVID hit. And obviously we didn't know when that was, you know, we didn't have foresight to go, Oh, okay, this is going to be a pandemic and such. So we had announced gymnastics and we were with the idea that we were going to announce hockey and swimming uh, shortly thereafter. And that's when COVID hit. And we just felt like the time was to be sensitive and, and see how this, a uh, pandemic. Well, at the time, not a pandemic, but it was a huge deal that was going on. We wanted to be sensitive to those things that were happening to our country and our community and our campus. And as time went on, uh, we felt like it was time to move forward. And so we did announce hockey and swimming just recently, you know, after about, I guess, six weeks of, of trying to understand this COVID, which, you know, cannot be emphasized enough is such a unique and unprecedented circumstance that you know, whatever people are doing nowadays, nobody has a, uh, there's no playbook for this. And and so, but we did feel like it was time to move forward. And so that's how we announced the two sports just recently. Um, We did a fundraising campaign that started March, uh, May 1st for our athletic teams. And we felt it was the right time to get back into that mode and to move forward. You know, it's It's something that we felt it was important to move forward. And the announcements of the two sports, the fundraising, which by the way, in one day, 24 hours, um, I, 24 hours, we had over a thousand donors to Long Island university athletics, unprecedented in a one day campaign of getting support from over a thousand donors, which tells us that people are out there that want to support our athletic programs we broke our system. You know, we have a platform that takes in all these donations. We broke it because the capacity was a thousand. And so we fixed it. And now the capacity is 10,000. So that's, the, I guess that's the new goal. But I think the point is, is that we're, we're you know, we're sensitive to the times. We really are. It's, it's, um, and at the same time, we, you know, we have to, we, we feel like we have to move forward. You know, if if we want to play sports in the fall, in the winter, in the spring, somewhere we have to decide to move forward. And so these sports, particularly hockey, uh, we announced and uh, we're moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like the the initial announcement, there was a lot of excitement. Uh, I'm talking about the, from the college hockey world, you know, the fact that we're sure. expanding and there's more opportunities for coaches, more opportunities for players. Um, there was a lot of excitement. I mean, there's, there's quite a few um, long Island division one coaches that are coaching at the division one ranks right now. And there's certainly a big pipeline of players coming through. So I think at Mm -hmm. first there was a lot of excitement, but I feel like right after that was a lot of confusion. (laughs) So people were Mm -hmm. wondering, you know, there's, there's not a coach, there's not an arena or a conference, you know, there's, there's questions about the budget being a lot lower than, you know, some Mm -hmm. of the, the other schools in division one hockey. So, sure. you know, I think yeah, this that's... is a great opportunity for you to kind of maybe um, address some of those concerns um, for the people out there that are, that are asking the questions. And, and I think for me, just, just being a, a coach, I would love to know how that search is going into Cause I mean, the coach of the program is going to be the face of the program as we talked about sure. earlier, and, and it's going to be your biggest hire. So how, how is that going and, and how's everything going in terms of finding somebody?
2: Yeah. So I think first of all, you know, for people that are concerned, uh, you know, um, you know, it's unfortunate that they have concerns. We have a plan and we're following the plan that we we've started. So whether it's, uh, you know, making things public in a certain timeline, um, you know, I guess is, um, is not necessarily a concern of mine. Uh, I want to make sure we find the right coach. And uh, so that search has been ongoing. We've had Uh, we've had some great, yeah, well, let's put it this way. I've got hundreds of emails and phone messages from a lot of interested candidates. So I think you're right in the energy and excitement that led to a lot of candidates being, um, uh, putting their name in. Uh, As that's being said, you know, we've, we've, we've done a great job of of getting some candidates we feel are going to be right for our program. And um, I think we're, we're pretty close to that decision. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's a unique situation. It's a starting a program versus coming in to a program that's been around for 10, 20, 50 years, different, different skill sets in some ways, or at least with the idea that if somebody already started a program, those, those experiences would be helpful in starting a program for us now because it's May um, we need to get some recruits in and we need to get a schedule and so on. And so those things are real you know, don't get me wrong but somebody who can recruit at this time of year to start a program that that experience might be helpful to them. It's not a deal breaker, but that would be helpful. Uh, in terms of facilities, we've been working on facilities long before the announcement. So, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to make sure that we get the right place and ideally a place that would have both men's and women's programs. And so we're working on that and I'm sure there'll be announcement that'll come out a little bit later and people want to get upset about it not being announced now or last week or two weeks ago, whatever. I'm you know, um, I'm I'm sorry that, that people feel that way, but we'll get you that information. And then, um, you know, we'll have an announcement of a coach soon. And then in the meantime, I think back to your excitement, you know, since we made that announcement, we've got emails uh, and offers to for games next year from just, I mean, everywhere, you know, and, and I, I won't put anybody on the spot, but we've got games uh, offered to us from pretty much from all the way as west as you can go to as far east as you can go. And I think that, is it well appreciated by us and that the interest and excitement has created institutions that think about how we can fit into their schedule, because I think um, that's a great, you know, great thing for college hockey is to see that, to see that kind of outreach, you know, literally head coaches and athletic directors saying, Hey, this is great. How can we help? We'd love to, you know, we got a couple open dates. Are you interested? I think that's fantastic. So this is going to come together. You know, I think what, what's, tough for people is it's just unique in that, you know, the timing of the announcement and, and, and so on, but, but we're, we're going to, we're going to have an exceptional program. And and our model, part of our model is based on a women's program where we started it. uh, I think coach Morgan had about 10 months to put it together. And uh, he had a great first season. He had a great team, great group of girls that just, you know, they were just a great team and he did a great job of providing the leadership in the first year we won our, our conference championship. So, um, I, it, clearly it, w- we're going to get there and I, I have no concerns about that whatsoever. And I am excited for, you know, our new program.
1: That's awesome. And Toph and I had, um, Arizona State's Division One head coach a few weeks ago, and so he kind of went through the same process that you're gonna, you're, your new coach, whoever that's going to be, is going to go through now. And for any of our listeners who are listening to this one to hear about the new school, I definitely suggest listening to that because a lot of parallels uh, i mean then turning d1 you know uh, kind of out of nowhere else i mean they, we, everyone was hearing they want to go they want to go and he was like all right and he had no experience doing it so it was really cool to hear his story um slightly different than yours but along a parallel so like you said i mean it's, it, it'll take a little time but like you guys are going to kill it and that's so cool to hear that your women's program did that well in the first year i mean that's that's unbelievable. What would you attribute that to? Like, did you just vet coaches so hard? Were the coaches going after um, veteran players like, like that? Or do you have any uh, intimate knowledge as far as how their recruiting went? Because I'm going to guess that's going to be one of the hardest milestones for you guys, one of the biggest humps for you guys to get over. There's no hockey to recruit from right now.
2: Well, uh, so to, that's a good question. And I think, Jeff, I think, did you start off with talking about Coach Powers? Yes. Yeah. So, and I've had a great fortune to talk to coach powers as well. And, and uh, just a seems like a, you just got to meet him, but fantastic uh, and very helpful. Uh, Arizona state reached out to us immediately to see what they could do just to give us whatever they could to help us out. So I think that's great. It says a lot about the hockey world, you know? And um, so, um, so with that, um, back to your question about recruiting. So coach Morgan and, and women's hockey, that recruiting happened a little bit, before I had joined, I, I just joined athletics last July. Um, but I know that coach did a great job of, of, you know, he recruited international, internationally, local, you know, nationally. And um, and I think, he, you know, he set a bar for the kind of player he wanted and the student athlete really more importantly, and I, I want to, I'm going to reemphasize that word student athlete uh, that we want to bring into our program. And, and so he did a great job of that. And um, you know, it, it showed this year in the way that uh, the team played, you know, he, he did say that, you know, early on, um, you know, it was going to be interesting to see how the team came together, but as he got probably into the back half of the season, he felt really good about this team and how they were progressing. And he, I, I don't want to say he called it, but he thought that they were going to do very well in the tournament. And so I think just a guy who provides leadership, understands his, his team as individual players uh, goes back to the people business. I mean, you really have to understand the kids you're recruiting and how they're going to fit into a team. And, and I know that's what coaches do, but Rob did an exceptional job for us. And he's been helpful in this this development of the, the men's side of it because he literally started the women's. So he's been very helpful in that way with his insights. And and so, um, you know, he has a three-year plan that we'll, we'll mimic in, in some ways in terms of what we want to accomplish Fortunately, that he's gone through it already, you know, we'll be able to be a little bit sharper moving forward because we've, you know, we were working with Rob and, you know, the facilities we've been at the, with the Islanders through the Northwell um, Center, as well as Sias at Iceworks. And uh, they've been great to us. And um, so, you know, from a facility standpoint and what Coach Morgan's gone through, we're, we're, you know, we're pleased that he had a great first year and that we can use him. Uh, to have us help on this move forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so another question that I have for you, and you mentioned you, you spoke to coach powers and, and, uh, and Rob has been, you know, somebody that you've leaned on, who are some mm-hmm. other people that you've been able to lean on in this process of, of coming to division one, because your guys' situation, you know, it's, it's kind of like Arizona States, but Arizona state had a club team and they had a facility Mm -hmm. and they had Mm -hmm. scholarships and a big school and a lot of money behind them. Same thing with Penn state. And, you know, it was one thing where you kind of knew for years that they eventually wanted to get to division one hockey, where you guys, it just, Mm -hmm. you obviously had a plan (laughs) that, that a lot of other people didn't know about. So who, who were some people that you leaned on and um, you know, again, like how, how did this plan come about and formulate from kind of like inception to, to where we are now?
2: Well, I think again, the, 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 bigger plan was that we were going to do this. So there was a basis for, you know, um, understanding what it would take, you know, budgets, scholarships, facilities. So those things, you know, those are common components. And uh, again, you know, the experience that coach Morgan's been through has helped streamline that a little bit, but, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, I didn't grow up a hockey guy, uh, in Indiana, but I grew up in South Bend where I grew up and, and, and would see Notre Dame hockey play uh, on occasion when I was a, when I was, you know, before I was in college, uh, my grandfather actually was the team doctor for Notre Dame hockey and Notre Dame football and kind of grew up that way. You know, I was a, back then they didn't have all the sports they have now, but you know, I was football, basketball, and baseball. And so as, as I got older and came back to Notre Dame, um, I work with uh, one of the best hockey coaches Notre Dame ever had and Lefty Smith. Uh, If you go to Notre Dame now, the ice is named after him. I I saw him take a program in the late 80s and start to build that out. And so um, I used some of those experiences in talking with Lefty and how they recruited because I was part of that as as the athletic department. But then also talking to Coach Poulin, who uh, ultimately succeeded, I think Rick Schaefer at one point, Uh, Dave Poulin and I have been talking – Um, as well as, you know, some other folks that I know in the business um, that, um, you know, that have been helpful. And so that's the other thing I've had people reach out to me. If I didn't reach out to them before the announcement, since the announcement, a lot of folks I've worked with in the past have been helpful in terms of providing some insight. And and, uh, I think I'm actually talking to Dave here in a little bit. Uh, Yeah, uh, probably 1230, he's going to call. So, so some of the folks I've worked with before have been helpful as well. And, and and then our administration has been fantastic in terms of the support to build this program. So I think it, um, I've told a bunch of people, we've got a lot of interest in this. We've got people who want to drive the Zamboni, <laughs> you know, so we've got people that want to help build a facility. We want people that want to drive the Zamboni and, and do all kinds of things everywhere in between. So I think it's, it's bringing those folks together. And as I've said, you know, this is going to be a community effort because it requires it. We need, you know, we need the hockey leagues on Long Island to be talking about LAU sharks, both men and women. And that's going to be helpful to our success. We need to talk to people that are going to be sponsors to our programs and and making sure that they are supportive and buy into this big picture of Long Island uh, hockey. So, it's gonna be an ongoing process to build this out, as I said before, the women's program has a three year plan, and we're gonna do something similar in terms of how that's grown
0: so So what does that three year plan look like for you guys like where do you see your program being at you know this year? Um, you know, we only have a little bit of time before. Well, actually, we don't know with COVID if there's even going to be stuff going on. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but you know, you mentioned a three-year plan. What What does that look like for you guys this year, next year, and then in three years?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think you know, generally speaking, it there's some things that are obvious. Is that this this year we'll play as an independent. Um, we'll we've got these game opportunities, and we'll put together. A, I, I think you know, I think realistically, a 20 game, you know, plus. Uh, season give a great experience for our student athletes and coaches. Uh, in the midst of that, we'll be looking at some conferences and we've, we've interacted with, uh, you know, a couple of different conferences. Our, our footprint for a majority of our sports, as you may know, is the Northeast Conference. So that, you know, entails basically, you know, um, you, you go through Massachusetts all the way around, along that coast through Rhode Island and Connecticut, all the way around the corner to New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland, so that's kind of our footprint for a majority of our sports, and we think that, you know, that would be a good good place to be in that same footprint, um, if possible. If you look at the Atlantic Hockey and Hockey East, there's a, some schools that kind of fit into our um, kind of into our you know typical competition. Uh, we have Sacred Heart and Robert Morris that are in our NEC conference that have hockey, so. I think we'll look to that you know as as some opportunities uh clearly if if those conferences are interested in us and and, and that would uh, you know make it um, move the process along a little bit faster but we we think our footprint that we're in in our NEC is is a great place to start uh, from a conference standpoint and then um, you know we we want to be uh, you know at, at full scholarship uh, as soon as we can so the the rollout of scholarships will um, we'll, we'll take, you know, probably a, a year or two to get to that full capacity because we're we're looking at, you know, how we would, um, you know, recruit for the future. You know, we don't want to just do everything right at once and, and hamstring us later on in terms of the future recruiting classes. So we'll do a rollout, and to be honest, we're going to do that this year to see how whatever we need to do to make this first team. Viable, And then uh, with the idea that, you know, year two, year three, we need to have scholarships available as well. So um, that part is is um, requires uh, some some uh, expertise in terms of how you do things from one year to the next. I don't there's not a hard hard line way to do that, because um, to me, it doesn't it wouldn't be logical to just commit to X amount of scholarships each year if we don't consider all the things that are happening right now. So for our listeners, and
1: I'm sure Tolf knows this. Tolf was coach a Division One coach for some time. Um, I wasn't. I was just a player. Um, when You start a program like this. Are you think? Are you you're not in a conference yet? You're talking about doing. Um, um, you know, when you play 20 games, you're an independent. Before you make this decision to go D1, are you talking to, and you don't have to give the back names, are you talking to the different conferences? Like, Hey, would you like to have us or we'd like to be a part of you? What, what goes on here for our listeners who aren't privy to those things like you and Toll are?
2: Yeah, I think, well, I think there's interest on, on a number of levels. You know, we've had more, a lot of conferences, not a lot, but the three or four conferences, you know, that have reached out or made contact with us. So I think, Um, so I, I don't know if I'm answering that question for you. Um, I think, I think
1: what I mean is when you decide to go D one, do you already, do you already know which conference you want to be in? And the conference is already like, yeah, we'll think about having you, or did you go D one? like okay we're gonna look at these three conferences and we'll decide which one's the best for our school and which one wants us because for the for our normal listeners we have a lot of parents a lot of players Mm. so they're probably thinking how did this happen you know or five years ago were you was a school like we're gonna go d1 and we want to be in hockey east that's what's gonna happen or did you go Mm. d1 now you're kind of shopping the school around to the different leagues
2: well i would i would say that going into this that we felt comfortable that there was two or three conferences that would uh that we could fit into it goes back to the footprint that I mentioned earlier and and I think we wanted to be able to start the program with the idea that you know as we have these conversations with different conferences is that we we find that right fit and so and that's for the conference too right we get that it's a partnership and so Uh, with membership. So I think we, we felt comfortable that there was two or three opportunities and, and uh, without necessarily saying that we had to be in one of them by the time we announced. Okay, cool. If that's fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, you talk about starting the program from the ground up, you know, I'm sure this has been a learning experience from like we talked about from the inception of when the idea was to, to now here we are. And we're only so many months away from the division one season starting in the fall. What do you think the, some of the biggest learning experiences you have had in, in taking this and and forming it from an idea into reality?
2: Yeah. So I I think that the thing is for clarity's sake, it's, this is, I can't take credit for this idea. This is part of a plan that was, you know, it already existed. So I'm, I I can't take credit for the idea. I think what happens is, is that, um, as you move forward, particularly for me, who's, you know, I wasn't a hockey player. I wasn't a hockey coach. You know, I, I lead an athletic department of 32 sports. I was not a head coach of all those 32 sports. So when you get more involved, you know, in, in sports that you've not competed or coached, I think it's realistic that you learn more about it. And, uh, you know, even though I was around Notre Dame hockey as a, as a strength coach, and uh, even as a kid growing up in South Bend, you know, I knew a little bit about hockey, but i nowhere near the expertise that we need in a coach and staff and, and, and so on. So, so I've learned a little bit more about, you know, seeing what facilities, you know, what, that we need, not that it's anything out of the box. I mean, right. You know, it's locker rooms and training rooms and an ice rink and, you know, but you want to do it right. And so, I've been excited to be part of this process where those things that are required, I'm, I'm, I'm directly involved with them now. And I'm working with people that have a a better sense or expertise of the game of hockey. Now I've been a part of a lot of facility projects. I've recruited at every place I've been. I've worked with hundreds of coaches. And so those experiences are being utilized to help this one particular program, men's hockey, just like we would do with, Men swimming and diving. And just like we did with women's gymnastics, even though I can say as a high school athlete, I did do gymnastics. So I knew a little bit about gymnastics. Um, I had some hockey sticks when I was a kid and we played street hockey, but, but the point is, is that you take all these experiences and you bring a team together to make the right, uh, you know, decisions. And, and I'll be clear on that. This isn't about me. This is not about Bill Martinoff. This is about LIU, LIU athletics how we develop a program that I think is going to be truly exceptional and be great for this community. So it's, this is a team effort. It's going to be a team effort. We're going to have local hockey leagues and we're going to have, you know, conference memberships and we're going to have all, you know, like I said, that Zamboni driver and that person who wants to build a facility, all those people are going to be part of our team. And I'll be clear on that. This is a team effort. And, um, and and again, it starts with our leadership with our president, who I think is just, Fantastic in terms of how she's brought uh, LAU athletics along.
0: That's great. Well, there certainly are a lot of people rooting for it. And, and as a, a former coach in college, you know, uh, I forget who said it, but somebody had a great saying and said there's a lot more really good people in hockey than there are opportunities to coach. And uh, so this uh, the more programs that we can have, uh, the more opportunities for coaches, the more programs mm-hmm. we can have, the more opportunities for players. And uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of people. You shocked a lot of people, but I know there's a lot of people that are, are rooting for this to really work. And uh, it's been great to, to get you on here to get a little bit of a background, and a little bit of a sense of, of where you see the program going. And uh, we appreciate your time very much for, for taking the time to do this.
2: Well, I, I appreciate it. Uh, and Jeff, I really do. It's great to be able to, you know, again talk about Long Island University and our athletic programs. We have an exceptional institution, and it's always not, you know, it's always great to be uh, able to talk about it with you. And I look forward to talking with you both at some time soon. You know, when we uh, maybe after we uh, make a few other announcements that uh, people want to hear, we'll do that and then uh, encourage you to, to come visit us or watch a game. You know, our women's team played uh, University of Wisconsin at the nasa coliseum this past year over homecoming weekend uh and we see some great games ahead for the men's team just as well so um we're excited to get this thing rolling so thank you for all of your help and support and spreading the good word and uh anything we can do for you let us know yeah you bet all right thanks so much thank you okay you guys have a great day okay
0: take yeah. care you too. Go Sharks. <laughs>